Welcome to Sunlight Christian Center, located in downtown Orange. Let's join Pastor Joe and the worship service in progress. I've entitled a message, Who Do You Think You Are Not To Be Smart? To drive home a point, there are times when we feel good about ourselves, when, when we feel like we're in the pink, we feel like our self-image is strong, and we think highly of ourselves. But then there are times when we feel blue and there are depressing thoughts and sometimes discouragement comes and our self-esteem drops. And so based on our feelings, we have different thoughts about who we think we are. God never changes his opinion about us, regardless of how we feel. He tells us that we are a royal priesthood and a holy and a chosen nation even when you wake up in the morning and you have burdens on your shoulder and you don't even know how you're going to make it through the day and the bills are piling up and there are lots of questions, you're still a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And then God does not lie. He just doesn't tell us nice things because it is nice to hear that we are the apple of his eye. God also tells us in his word, and God's word says that we are clay and that's because we're not too strong. And in the 15th chapter of John and the fifth verse, God says something else about us. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. God says, you're a branch. Now what I want to do, sometimes uh, one word or a thousand words can't really say what a picture can. And I thought I would grow a tree before your very eyes here on Sunday morning. (laughs) I'm just going to take this branch illustrate my message. In case you're wondering whether or not this is appropriate, when Jesus preached, Jesus always referred to objects. He said, behold the fowls of the air. And he said, look at the lilies of the valley and the farmer that grows and the seed that he plants. This is a branch. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The message is clear, it's really a simple message, but an important message, and that is that you've got to stay connected to the vine if you're going to grow and if you're going to produce fruit in your life, it is important to stay connected. You've got to keep your connection. The scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, and, and that admonition is that we need to stay together as a family of God but that's not what Jesus is saying here although that is true what he is saying here is that beyond the fact that we're connected to a church we need to stay connected to the vine because there are people that can slip into the church and not even connected to the vine Jesus is saying I am the vine and you are the branches and if you're going to do anything in your life worthwhile doing you got to stay connected to the vine He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. That's the purpose. God wants fruit in our lives. But when you deal with the subject of fruit in Scripture, there could be some miscommunication because that's a word that that might, might be misrepresented in our thinking. Fruit, when we think about fruit, we have a tendency of thinking, well, it's the things that I've done. It's how many people I've led to the Lord, how many churches I've established. 
fruit. That's, that's my achievements. That's my uh, uh, accomplishments. Fruit. That's, that's how many demons I cast out, or how many healings, and how many miracles. And we think of fruit in the sense of what Scripture calls gifts. And, and we think that the fruit is something that we actually do. And so we could sum it up by saying the fruit in my life is my successes. And that, brothers and sisters, is not what the word fruit means in this passage. Fruit in this passage. When God says that he wants much fruit in our life, he is not talking about how many people we can lead to the Lord, uh, how many Bibles we can distribute, and all those things are wonderful. He's talking about something real specific. He's saying the fruit that I'm looking for in your branch is this. Can you love in an unlovely situation? Because that love is fruit. Can you be peaceful in times of strife? That's fruit. Can you be patient in frustration? Can you, can you exhibit joy in times of sorrow? And that doesn't mean putting on a happy face when you're hurting. When you're hurting, you ought to cry. So we're happy with those that are happy. We mourn with those that are mourned. It's, it's Jesus is, is saying something at the deepest level. He's saying, the fruit that I'm looking, look at, I'm looking for fruit in your life. And, and he said, the fruit that I'm looking for in your life is, can you forgive somebody who has hurt you. That is fruit. That's hard to do. That's why we got to stay connected to the vine. Because we can't do that by ourselves. The fruit is, can you show mercy when you have an opportunity to take out revenge and you, you decide to be merciful? Fruit is obedience. Fruit is service. Fruit is willing to help. Fruit is gentleness. Fruit is being kind. Fruit is being faithful. That's what the fruit is that God's looking for. So when he says, I'm looking for fruit, that's the fruit that he's looking for. And, and he's basically saying, you know, without me, you can't do nothing. And I've, I've read that passage many times in Scripture, and I've often t- thought to myself, you know, I play the devil's advocate when I read the Scripture, and I thought, without me, you can do nothing. Without, what do you mean? I can do a lot of stuff without you. And there are lots of people that do lots of things without you. The people that don't know you, they, they just spend their whole life doing things without you. So how could you say, without me, you can do nothing? Because the meaning behind it is this. Without being connected to the vine, any, any, anything that you do without Jesus will amount to nothing. After it is all said and done, the only things that we do with the Lord are the things that will last and have staying power. So when Jesus is saying, without me, you can do nothing, he means without him, you can do nothing. There's nothing that you can do that will ever last. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Look at that. It's important to see the word he, because it's not my business to remove a branch, and it's not your business to remove a branch from the vine. It's God's business. I don't have to go around removing branches. God does the removing. It's God, God the Father, is the, the vineyard keeper. And he comes along and he sees that um, there's no fruit growing on this particular branch. And so he, with his divine clippers, it's a warning that God is looking for fruit in our life. And if he sees no fruit, fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, forgiveness, mercy. If he sees no fruit, he just don't even come up to the preacher and say, preacher, when will God remove so-and-so? It's not my business. I don't have to remove anybody. It's he who does 
the removing. And he does, sometimes he does the removing in very natural, natural ways. If somebody w will come in to the fellowship and get upset and then leave and storm out. And, and it just simply was God's way of removing a branch. And then, and, and since that's not my business, I don't need to deal with that because that's God's business. God takes care of his business. He wants me to take care of my business. What is my business? Glad you asked. This is it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So you got a good branch, and the branch is doing fine because it's producing fruit. And yet, ouch. Oh, wait a minute, Lord. I was producing fruit. I was producing love, and I was joy and, and peace and patience in my life and I was forgiving Lord I was being good I was being obedient and and what are you doing cutting me back the Bible says here's what the problem is the Bible says that if we do what the Lord wants us to do he will bless us that's what the Bible says and, and now we're talking about what, what, instead of addition we're talking about subtraction Instead of multiplication, because the, the, the Lord says, I will multiply you. Instead of multiplication, we're talking about division. He's pruning. And I'm going to tell you something. When you start pruning, it doesn't look good. And if there's one thing a Christian does not want to do, a Christian does not want to look bad. Christian wants to look good. I want to look like, let me be like a super saint, Pastor Joe. I want, to, I want people to name hospitals after me, like St. Joe. You know what I mean? It's got to be, I, I, gotta, I want to look good. I don't want to look, I, I'm looking, Lord, I'm looking like a failure. People are talking when they see you clipping. And I don't feel good about, Lord, they're saying I'm going backwards, that, they're saying there must be something wrong in his relationship with God because he's going and he looks like a failure. It looks like a loser. And we were so worried about what people are thinking that we have no concept of what God's doing in our lives because he has an intention. And you could, brothers and sisters, you can be sure that when this happens, when this happens in our life, when, when God looks at the branch and notices there's some fruit growing and he says, I want more fruit at a branch, so I'm going to do some clipping. The devil, the devil will come to you and say, that's the God you serve. You serve a God that you should have been blessed by, but it looks like God's punishing you. He's clipping away, looking, and you're looking bad. And, and you call, what, what kind of a God are you serving when you should be progressing and it looks like you're shrinking? And it can't be. What kind of? What is going on? He keeps clipping. This is suffering. This is not blessing. I mean, you expect God. I mean, you, you, you read the word and you know what the word says. That if you, if you give, he shall, you receive. And it pressed down, shaken together, running over. Does this look like pressed down, shaken together, running over? He said, and God says, test me, try me, and I'll open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing that you can. Lord, it doesn't look like that. It, it looks like I'm not exemplifying the word of God that I've been reading and I just don't feel good about this clipping process that's going on. It hurts to be clipped. It hurts to be pruned. And yet God does what he does because he's interested in us producing more love, joy, peace, patience, forgiveness, and mercy. And let me tell you something from the beginning. God will do whatever he wants to do. 
with whoever he wants to do it with. And you know something, and it's just important to understand this, is that whenever God brings the clippers out and he starts to prune the branch, you don't see his hand. You don't, it doesn't look like it's divine. It, it, you can give it all kinds of natural explanation, but because it doesn't look like God's involved in it. And so many times God, listen, brothers and sisters, I don't even want to say this, but I got to say this. I am the preacher. Sunday, you got to tell the truth. And here's the truth. God oftentimes uses your enemy to prune you. Isaac was being blessed by God. You read it back in the 20-something chapter of Genesis, and, and he's, he's produ- in a time of famine, he's producing crop a hundredfold in his crop. Everybody else's crops are shriveled up, but, but, but Isaac's got a bump of crop, and, and God's blessing him, and he's becoming rich and wealthy, the Bible says. And the Philistines, while they're watching all this, become really anxious, and they're becoming jealous and envious and don't like the blessing that God has bestowed on Isaac and so they come and they fill his wells with rocks and and they quarrel over the wells and then they finally kick him out of the town and if there had been any saints looking at all of this they would have been saying whoa that's pretty nasty because Isaac is a child of God it must it must have done something wrong maybe fell out of favor with God and didn't realize it you wouldn't have realized it but that God was using the Philistines to prune Isaac in order to bless him even more just go to the next chapter and God made him even wealthier than before so if God's interested in more fruit and he gets more fruit by pruning us then what's the bottom line what does this all mean I mean what you ought to be taking home with you the bottom line is this that no matter whether you are going up or down or sideways your mission is to grow just grow so if God prunes you grow if God doesn't prune you grow if people come grow if people go grow if it's hard grow if it's easy grow the bottom line is that God makes it really simple so you don't have to really go to school to understand this you just simply grow you do the thing that God has asked you God has given you a mission he's put a mission he's breathed his mission into you regardless of what flax coming your way grow and you grow this way I will be better today than I was tomorrow yesterday and I will be better tomorrow than I am today I will grow I insist on grow just it's like it's like the the illustration of, of grass grass knows one thing if you sat down and you talked with grass, you had a conversation with grass, and you said, grass, what are you doing? And grass said, I'm growing. What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to grow. What are you going to do next week? I'm going to grow. What are you going to do if they cut you down? I'm going to grow. If they trample on you, what are you going to do? I'm going to grow. Brothers and sisters, you can get an incredible message from a blade of grass that simply says your mission in life should you succeed and be willing to do it is simply grow. So God's calling us to grow. So we'll be cut back, yes. We'll be cut back. There'll be times when we don't really appreciate 
what it is that God's got up his sleeve, but, but, but we're going to grow. We got, that's the bottom line. I'm going to grow. It don't matter what people say. It doesn't matter where they go. It doesn't matter what they do. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My hope is built on nothing else but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I got to hold on to what Jesus has given me. He gave me instructions to grow. He said, stay connected, stay connected, stay connected. The only way I can grow is if the branch stays connected to the vine. That's my job. I will grow. When you leave today, grow. When you get to work on Monday, grow. Well, what does all this growing have to do? It, grow. You know, it might be a good idea for us to wake up in the morning and say, today, today God's given me life. Who can I bless? What kindness can I offer? Whose life can I touch? How can I bring a little sunshine to somebody's life? That's growing. Who can I show mercy to? That's growing. God's looking for us to grow. He wants people to grow. And in the, in the 16th verse of the 15th chapter, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I am the vine, you are the branches. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I remember when I went to Bible school back in the 60s, I, I went into the school and I got involved in the classes and I know, looked around and I, I'm a shy kind of person, so I was quiet. and I was there to study I looked at some of the students that were at the school and they were so outgoing and so quick and glib and they could talk about anything at any time and it would seem like they just had it. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, <laughs> I'm up against this kind of competition. <laughs> I don't know, Lord, I, I don't know. And I used to get a lot of discouraged and then I, I got to the place, I happened to see this verse somewhere down the line and I got to the place where I spoke to God and I said, Lord, I did not choose me. You chose me. And if you chose me, you must have had something up your sleeve. There got to be a reason for it. You chose me. If ever anybody here ever decided to get saved, if you're already saved, or someday, maybe even today, you want to give your life to the Lord, don't, don't think in terms that I decided to come to Jesus because the truth of the matter is God gave you the breath that you have to breathe today so that you could hear the message of salvation. And then he touches your heart so that you will respond positively to the gospel message. And he makes arrangements for you so that you could be in the right. And he kept you alive all these years so that he could get you to the place where you could come to know Jesus. See, he chose you. You didn't choose him. Had we been on our own, we would have never chosen him. But God put faith in your heart so that you could respond to the tug of the gospel message. And from what faith he put in your heart, you responded and you embraced the Lord. But he chose. Before you were born, brothers and sisters, he chose you. He knew who you were. And all of the arrangements, the fact that you're alive today means God has chosen you. And brought you to this place where you could receive his word. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And the life that's flowing in the vine is going to flow through the branch. And the blessing that flows in the vine will flow out into the branch. And the anointing that the vine has will flow right into the branch. Whatever we have, we have because God chose us. And here's the purpose. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That your fruit should remain. I read that. And I think to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Fruit that grows on a tree is not there to remain. 
it's there for somebody to come along and pluck it off. So what are we talking about remaining? Fruit doesn't remain. Fruit's taken off the tree and fruit is eaten. And here he's talking about the fruit remaining. And then a thought occurred to me. Wait a minute. The fruit he's discussing here is the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and forgiveness and mercy and service and obedience. That's the fruit. And that's the only kind of fruit that remains. Let me explain. Mary, while Jesus was at dinner, Mary came and took an expensive box of alabaster, broke it, and poured this ointment on Jesus' feet. It was a, a demonstration of her love. Jesus even said that. And then Jesus said this, wherever this gospel is preached, this story is going to be attached to it. So wherever the gospel goes, the story about what Mary did to Jesus will also be known. Her fruit, her love remains. The things that we do to bless the people in our lives, they'll evaporate. It remains. When you touch somebody's life with God's anointing flowing through you, that's why we've got to stay connected to the vine. If, if the anointing is flowing through the vine, into the branch, or whatever produces, whatever fruit is produced by the branch, remains, stays. In, in Matthew 25, you've got, you got a, a description of the sheep and the goats, and, and the, the, the sheep are brought into the kingdom, and they're saying, they're, they're told, enter into the joy of the Lord, and, and he says, you, I was naked and you clothed me and I was hungry and you fed me and I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. And he said, when did we ever see you naked and clothed you? And when did we ever see you hungry and, and fed you? When, uh, we don't remember that. And Jesus said, in as much as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. He's talking about service. He's talking about love. You see, God keeps this little diary. And, and, and long after you remember that you had done something to bless somebody's life or you had forgiven somebody and you forgot about it and you showed mercy when you could have taken revenge and, and you forgot all about it, God's got good records. And when you get to heaven and stand before the Lord, he will point out those things that you did because you loved him. Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. It's fruit that remains. It's got a life of its own. There was a Scottish farmer who was working the fields. And as he was working in his fields, he heard the cry of, of, a, of a, a child. And he looked over to the mud pit that was on his farm. And he saw this child in the mud pit sinking and would die. And so he rushed back to the barn, got his ox and a rope. And he brought it out to where the, this child was sinking and it threw him the rope, tied it to the ox, and dragged that boy to safety. That boy was Winston Churchill. And he came from a wealthy family. The next day, Winston Churchill's mom and dad went to visit this Scottish farmer. And they wanted to give him money because they rescued the life of his son. And the farmer said, no, I won't take money. For that, And just about the time when he was saying, no, I'm not going to take any money for rescuing the life of your son, his son, the former son, came running into the house, and, and uh, uh, Lord Randall, who's Winston Churchill's dad, says, is that your son? 
He said, yeah. He said, what does your son want to be? And the farmer said, ask him. And the little boy was asked, and he said, I want to be a doctor. That's what I want to be. And Lord Randall said, I'm going to see to it that your child gets the, the same good education that my child will have, and so I'm committing myself to make sure that your child gets his education. And both boys grew up. Winston Churchill grew up to become a, a great leader in England and saved the, probably the world from the destruction of the Nazi, Nazi empire. But the Scottish farmer's son went on to graduate from St. Mary's and became a doctor. One day, Winston Churchill got pneumonia and landed in a hospital. And this young doctor was now older, whose name was Alexander Fleming, had discovered penicillin. That was the penicillin that saved Winston Churchill's life. The Scottish farmer saved Winston Churchill. The Scottish farmer's son saved Winston Churchill again. When you got fruit that remains, that's the kind of fruit that we're talking about. When you are willing to bless, and you never know how the blessing comes, when, when you're willing to bless somebody's life, God says that that act of love, that act of kindness, that blessing that you shared has a life all of its own, and that fruit will remain. The only way we as branches can be placed into the vine because we didn't belong to the vine is that there needs to be a grafting process. You've got to cut the vine so that the branch can be placed in the vine and then attached so that it will grow. Jesus was cut on Calvary so that we could be grafted into the vine. We don't belong to the vine. He came to his own, his own re re received him not, and so he turned to us. And through the cutting process, he took you and put your branch into the vine, remembering what Jesus paid to get you. That's why it, it says in Scripture, you haven't chosen me. I chose you. I brought you into the vine. Don't ever forget that the only reason why the life of Jesus is flowing into your life is because he was cut so that you could have life. We owe our existence to Jesus. And any fruit that develops out of our life is because he loved us so much. You have been listening to Pastor Joe at Sunlight Christian Center. We are located in downtown Orange, just one block north of the Chapman Circle at 172 North Glissell Street. 